I don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart Hello everyone, welcome back to a very special mini-series of Uncanny Treks as we look at Star Trek Picard but also a random Nicholas Windig Refn miniseries from Netflix called Copenhagen Cowboy. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Matt, how the hell are you doing tonight? Doing well, Bob. The card episode, loved it. Then the cowboy episode, eh, it was all right. Oh, 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 look at you, you fickle little hoe. Look yeah. how quick <laughs> you're turning on, uh, on Copenhagen Cowboy. Picard just puts out a passable episode, and you're like, no, Nicholas Winding Refn, I never knew you. Who are you? Yeah, you, you got it. That's pretty much it, Bob. Yeah, I'm telling yeah. you, Picard season three, I, I, I hate it. I almost want to go back and did in season two to see if by episode three we were still on the fence or not. Because I can't remember. I know we were on the fence at the beginning of season two. So it's hard to say, but after a quick review of the notes, which does jibe with my initial memories, it seems like uh, in episode three of Picard season two, the whole being back in the past was still relatively new to us, right? And so it hadn't like turned into a long, like time delaying slog. I think maybe that happened more around like episode four or five. Okay, well, that, that makes me worried about episode four. We'll see. I mean, on the one hand, they are, just to kind of speak in broad terms about Picard, season three, episode three, 17 seconds, they are kind of really dragging out this whole confrontation with um, the Shrike. But on the other hand, like, they're doing it pretty well, right? And stuff is happening. So even though there's a little bit of kind of time killing, it, it doesn't feel as egregious as... I think especially some parts of season two felt to you. And let's thank God that the secret weapon was not a time killer. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So uh, we're talking, like I said, Picard season three, episode three uh, this week, as well as Copenhagen Cowboy episode two, 17 seconds versus Vengeance is my name. Matt, you want to walk us through that old A plot of 17 seconds? So in the A plot of 17 seconds, the Titan A temporarily ditches the Shrike in the nebula, allowing time for emotional conversations between Picard and Bev, Riker and Jack, and Seven and Crash. Indeed. And then in the B plot, Musiker finds herself playing crazy cop towards chill cop as they interrogate a, and just to warn everybody, spoiler, don't listen to this if you don't, unless you don't care about spoilers, but spoiler, a dying changeling. Changeling. Deep Space Da-da-da. Nine. Yep. I think that's the only time I've given the spoiler warning instead of you or, or, or have even like even half-heartedly cared about a spoiler. If you're listening to this, this is more of like a review type thing. So I would hope you would have watched the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to think of it as discussion more than review, but yeah, probably review. Yeah. But speaking of reviews, Matt, are you enjoying that they start every episode with a flashback thing? No, and they need to stop doing that. It is so annoying. And there's it's not just this show. I feel like lots of things, like this has become like the new thing for TV shows to do this. It, it's, it's, it's annoying. I've got nothing against flashbacks as a narrative device, but they need to be rare and they need to have a point. And not at the very beginning of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Unless there's like a really good juxtaposition reason, which honestly, I know they thought there was this episode, but there really wasn't. No, no, not at all. Yeah. That's why we're not even going to really talk about why the episode's called 17 Seconds, because it's it's 
It's yeah. not really pertinent to the plot. Matt, did you know it took a turbo lift 17 seconds? Did not know that, Bob. Had no clue. For a minute, I thought that was referring to how long Picard lasted in bed. hey oh hey uh, Bob, did they de-age Picard and Riker in that flashback? Honestly, I didn't notice, but it's well possible that they did. I think they did, because Picard didn't seem to have the same, like, a lot of the, his face was kind of smoothed out, and Riker seemed leaner, <laughs> you know, they, I don't know. They, yeah. They've done something, they did something different, I don't, I don't know what they did, but I don't like that kind of stuff, unless it's with Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah. And then, I, I did want to say about the Flashpoint, t- didn't it feel a little condescending for Riker a considerably younger man to Picard to tell him that he hopes someday he'll experience fatherhood? Or is it just that, you know, in the 24th century, has technology rendered, like, age and fertility issues pretty much moot? And so, you know, like, okay, yeah, if old man Picard still wants to knock somebody up, he can do it. Yeah, okay. And on top of that, they didn't really specify what time this was. So, I didn't remember this. I only vaguely remembered that Riker and Troy had a son who died. But because of your comment, I went back and looked. And the boy dies before Picard season one. So, this conversation happened a long... And I think he lived for a while. Uh, Like, I think he was in his teens before he died. So, this conversation took place quite a quite a wise before Picard became an android not that we're totally even sure that the show remembers that nor nor do I necessarily want them to and that was kind of on me for in the notes for saying 25th century technology when in reality we're dealing with 24th century fertility technology here damn Bob okay first off you gotta let me make the point Bob isn't he an android here <laughs> then you say Matt, that I did, I did. <laughs> I didn't want you to look like an ass. I didn't want I didn't want our, our listeners to tweet at you being like, no, obviously, Matt, you're so dumb. He's not an android. I was I threw myself in front of you, Matt, to take the bullet and even admitted an error for you. And then this is how you repay me. You insult my podcast timing. So, Bob, you're not like Riker. That's what makes me feel better. Good job. <laughs> That's right, Matt. I make it 18 seconds. Hey, <laughs> I guess uh, we we do get uh, an appearance from uh, Troy uh, in this flashback, and uh, she really wants some bourbon, uh, which, you know, after giving birth, I can understand that. You deserve some bourbon. Okay, you think this is the only uh, appearance we're going to see of Troy? <laughs> I don't know, man. I would think no, given how much they advertise this as the, the TNG reunion thing, but... On the other hand, uh, you th- you'd think if they were going to bring her in, they, like... It could have been Troy, Riker, and Picard go on the mission. So I, you, beats me, man. I guess, it, you know, in normal circumstances, you would be enraged if that were the case, if this was a TNG reunion show and Troy only showed up in a message. But given that she, you know, had a good appearance in season one, it's not as weird as it might otherwise be, I suppose. That's kind of how I feel. I mean, I, I have a feeling, though, they're going to want everybody on the bridge at some point. So we'll, yeah. we'll see where that happens. You know, in terms of the emotional conversations that make up the show, discounting the kind of cheesy one between Riker and Picard, but the the other emotional conversations were pretty good. Uh, I do have to observe that Crash LaForge seems to be much better at handling people, specifically Seven of Nine, than her father. Do you find that kind of weird, though, too? Like, her father and dad were, like, you know, buddies, and then here you have Crash oh. and a Borg. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they the machine connection. 
I didn't even I didn't even think about that, but you're right. And uh, you know, I would say that uh, LaForge and Data were more than buddies. That there was some pretty heavy subtext there. So oh, maybe yeah. like a machine fetish is genetic. Who knows? <laughs> but when they did say that there was a saboteur on the ship, I immediately went to crash. I was thinking, um, shit, she's gonna be the one. Because other than Shaw, who's already been like incapacitated at this point, I'm thinking Crash is the only character they've really honed in on. Yeah, I just assumed it would be some anonymous saboteur, and yeah, because we precisely because we hadn't known enough of the Titan crew for it to matter. So this is something I should have picked up on in an earlier episode, but there's you know like Seven and Picard being friends like makes sense right because we saw the first two seasons of the show correct but like seven and Riker, as far as we know don't have any pre-existing relationship so matt does that mean that there's going to be a, a star trek picard prequel novel about uh why seven of nine and Riker are friends oh yeah bob it's gonna be thrilling is it sad that i can kind of picture the cover it's gonna have Riker and seven's mug taking up like 85 percent of the cover and then you'll have the titan mid-battle in the lower left-hand corner yeah, man, I, there's a lot I don't love about the new Star Trek novels that come out for the new shows. I don't love that they tend to be prequels. I don't love that they come out as trade paperbacks instead of uh, mass market paperbacks, which is the only correct size for a Star Trek novel. And uh, I don't love that instead of paying an artist to do cool illustrations with a ship or a planet on the uh, cover, they just do uh, pretty piss poor Photoshop jobs with like, you know, nice photos of the cast. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's, that sells, Bob. <sighs> I don't know. They know you're probably not going to read it at this point in your life. So they're just like, <laughs> Hey man, I read two discovery, no three discovery novels of the 12 they put out. And if they were actually adventures of the starship discovery, rather than just prequel novels about single characters, from the Starship Discovery, I would have read quite a bit more than three. Oh, well, there you go. Pump out some more uh, ship antics. Maybe what's going to save us is I think the first Strange New Worlds novel just came out, and you know I'm going to jump on that before that show comes back. Oh, yeah. Well, there's also an IDW comic that was recently released that takes place after season one, so it's not a prequel. Although I, I do, I do fear it could be just filler. Traditionally, the novels are filler. That's it's. It, I, I don't object to them being filler. I object to them being prequel filler. <laughs> I find distinction. I know. <laughs> well, I'm gonna come back and tell you, Bob. I do agree with you though about the size of the books. That is annoying when they do the larger size because it's not easy to hold. Why not make it smaller? To, like just so you can carry it around a fucking paperback that's all we need reject modernity embrace tradition that's yeah. that's the message of this podcast yeah um, so i i do want to say that i really did enjoy the trill doctor who i believe's name is dr ock uh which huh wonder if that's a spider-man joke but anyway i enjoyed dr ock's contempt for bev that that cracked me up yeah like do pickard beverly and like Riker? do they do they do this wherever they go like just sort of take control they yeah just... it seems to be their thing like, if they go to a restaurant, does Riker just, like, go in the kitchen and start cooking and be like, I can make it better than you, or some shit like that? Like, <laughs> I get that impression from this. I mean, you don't just walk into people's, like, you know, you just walk on their starship and start taking over shit. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, so, we get a we get an interesting little uh, factoid about uh, Picard and Bev's relationship, which is to say that they've broken up five times. That's really impressive. I mean, I've only topped out at three breakups in one relationship, so... You know, hats off to the king and queen, uh, Picard and Bev. Yeah, I've only talked about it too, Bob. You beat me there. Good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I got I got to thinking about all this stuff with Bev and Picard. 
about that immaculate conception we referred to in our last episode. Yes, yes, and that you put in the photo art and were very self conscious about. But I thought yes, I was I was a little worried about it because it, it was pretty poorly done Photoshop, but it, it was funny in my head. Matt, the the aesthetics of our podcast promotion are a poorly done Photoshop. It's fine. <laughs> well, I, I feel like this fits in the whole with the whole thing about Beverly fucking ghost. Oh yeah, I should I should have gotten there. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, because she. She's, she's fucked ghosts before. Why wouldn't she fuck the Holy Ghost? I mean, it makes sense. Exactly. I, I really did love in the argument that uh, Picard and Bev were having about Jack that Picard had this aggrieved dad line. So I only had a nine day window. Really cracked me up. <laughs> I do want to see a future image of like Picard in a bar with Riker complaining about how oppressive family court is to fathers. Picard's dialogue in this episode. Like everything he said, I think we've mentioned this a little bit in season two as well. I just don't know if it's Patrick Stewart is just getting older, but it, some of it doesn't come off right to me. I think that is kind of a problem for not so much Riker and Bev, but also like when we, when we talk about Worf, like both Michael Dorn and Patrick Stewart's voices are just, you know, they're getting older and they're doing the things that old men's voices do, which, you know, no, you know, there's no shame in it, but it, it does feel like a little wrong and maybe a, a little uncomfortable to watch sometimes. Yeah. Like there's even a point where I thought that a cut of a scene where Picard actually did make an, like, he, I mean, Patrick Stewart did make a flub, like he did screw mm-hmm. up, <laughs> but he, they just kept going with it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that's entirely possible. Yeah, I don't know if you caught it. It was like when he, he's on the bridge yelling something. I mean, that's that's pretty much the whole episode. But it was there's one point where I was like, wait a minute, that didn't sound right. Like that sounded like maybe they didn't cut that correctly. I also do think like they're writing. I think they the writing for Riker and Crusher is mostly right. Or the, for Riker and Bev is mostly right. But I don't know the the ability to which they actually capture Picard's character on this show and this this isn't just this season this is the whole show i'm a little i I don't know i'm still a little skeptical about it you know yeah it's like old man picard (laughs) like yeah it's like a whole different character well and i mean like i don't mean this in a bad way but like picard was like a defined character in next gen but like next gen was very rarely about picard you know yeah and then, but we've had like, you know, three seasons of a show that are called Picard and it's like very deep. It's almost like this is more of a, these are more stories you would have done for Kirk, who always was a little more explored, especially by the movies, than you would do for Picard, if that makes sense. That really does make sense, but it kind of makes me think that maybe this is, they're trying to do what they did with Kirk in the movie. You know what I mean? Like in the movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I just don't think that works right because it's, I mean, again, I don't want to sound ageist, but he he's just too old to do that. Like, well, he's not the action hero or anything like that that they tried to make Kirk out to be. But it's like William Shatner was a relatively speaking younger man in the Star Trek movies, right? And so, like, you could you you the movies did change Kirk's character and develop Kirk's character a little more, but like there was just more time to do it, right? Like it made more it like made more sense, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, like in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, uh, you know, Kirk legit does like a. Uh, a flip kick. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. We're not going to see Picard doing that shit here. No, it's not happening. No. <sighs> yeah. So we do see Bev like blaming the stars for losing her parents, uh, Jack and well, Jack one, I should say, as opposed to Jack two, Jack senior, Wes, and maybe Picard, which I thought was kind of a nice moment. If a little cheesily expressed, but I thought it was nice. 
Yeah, I did like it, but I, I did roll my eyes when she kept talking about the like the specific times Picard was in danger over like a very short period of time. <laughs> I don't know. Is that just because you've been in a lot of argument with significant others where they're good at uh, citing, uh, citing specifics, Matt? Is that what triggered you? But no, it's not just that. Like it, This goes back <laughs> to what you were saying about Picard, Bob. Like these yeah, set, yeah. This reminded me more of Kirk. You know, where he's phasers held against his head every other second, or there's a bomb going off next to him. Or, yeah. You know, that, that wasn't more, that wasn't Picard. That's more Kirk. I will say I, I, I enjoyed the Riker talking to Jack, too, a lot more. And you, you specifically get this great line from Riker, which is something to the effect of, I spent two decades in a spaceship watching uh, you get cooked up before you were born. It was subtle at first. <laughs> They really do capture Riker correctly in this. I'm just hoping yeah. they don't take these one-liners and these good like responses that we're get, that you know Riker's getting from this season, and from the previous, and from Lord everything they put Riker on. I mean, he's been on everything. I just hope they don't take that and try to make a Riker show. Because I would not watch that. I don't really think they need that. I don't want a live action show, and I don't think they would do this. But honestly, if they did an animated Titan show with like Riker and Troy commanding the Titan. I'd watch the shit out of that man. Okay. Yeah. Eh, I mean, maybe. I just don't. I don't know. I feel like he's better in smaller doses. That's probably true. That's probably true. And I mean, I think in some way that's like he. Whereas Picard is having to be the protagonist and be complicated and have flaws and have a moral journey. You know, Riker can just kind of be charming Riker, and so right. yeah, it's a little, little easier for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to say I do think Picard does. It, it does, in fact, owe Shaw an apology. Getting back to our point about uh, the the Bev Riker and Picard just taking over any situation they're in. And the, the scene where he does that, though, too. This is going back to that dialogue piece. I'm like, Picard's like, you know what? I owe Shaw an apology. I'm gonna go do it right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, what the hell, dude? Like. You weren't exactly doing a Trump impersonation there, but there's something there is something very kind of Trump-like in, but just in Picard in general in the show and that that particular thing you were just saying. Yeah, I was about to say, but, but 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 yeah, but the dialogue there, no, I don't think Trump would ever apologize for anything. He so. would never apologize. But I don't know. There's just like a quality of like bumbling old man like bluffs his way through stuff. That right. I, really, that, that that speaks to both Trump and Biden. It's the <laughs> it's the national mood at this point. It's, it's <laughs> very old politicians trying to stay relevant and run the country. Well, but, the, but the dark thing is, is like, if we had younger politicians, you mean like Kamala, Pete, and that fascist from Florida? Like, I, I, I would rather have Trump and Biden. Thanks. Yeah, like, I think I'm, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of agree with that at this point. At least Trump and Biden are funny. <laughs> I was really sad to see Shaw get sidelined, but the passive-aggressive transfer of command to Riker was pretty choice. Yeah, that entire scene was like beautifully shot where he gets injured, because that's yeah. such a trope with everybody like getting rocked on the on the bridge and him falling over and you know getting impaled or whatever and breaking his leg and like. Blood out the mouth was a nice touch. They don't do that very like it was a very tropey scene, but that you don't you don't often see injuries quite like that in Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, it was rough. It was very rough. But man, it was that was a great scene and just perfectly written, I think, for his for Shaw's character. Yeah, we continued the kind of mystery of Shaw where he's like kind of an asshole, but also pretty smart. Like it's 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 interesting. We may not get much more of it given how they sort of wrote him off this episode, but the mystery of the character of Shaw continues. Yes, please, please don't write him off. If they want to do a show, they should probably make, make one with him. 
in seven and nine. That could be really fun. I could watch that shit. I could watch that. Oh man, just like an escalating series of like passive aggressive uh, gambits <laughs> between Shaw and Seven. That would be great. Yeah, you could have Crash on there too. Hell, man, I think I like Crash better than her father. I think I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Um, we also get the nice uh, line uh, <laughs> where Picard tells Riker, "I think it might be time you called me number one." Oh, that was the sappiest shit, Bob. <laughs> I, I liked it, especially since uh, Picard named his pit bull after Riker. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I liked that. <laughs> you, usually it's me that likes the sappy shit, but no, I couldn't. Uh, that was too much for me. I was like, eh. Well, speaking of something we both disliked, Matt, did we really need the Musiker flashing back to Worf killing Sneed? It just happened last episode. Dear God. Didn't they show it in the preview, too? <laughs> I think they did. Yeah, they. I think they showed it in the in the previously on. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm not the demographic that this Star Trek show is trying to reach, but I am. I grew up with Next Gen. I don't, <laughs> you know, because because our attention spans are not that bad. Like we're okay. It's it's the younger group. It's the younger generation that can't like focus for more than two seconds. Yeah, I don't know. I I go back and forth on that because like sometimes with both Discovery and Picard. I feel like I don't quite follow what happened in a scene, but I never, I, I'm at this point in my life, it's like, eh, I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing life every second. Right. I'm not going to rewind. But so it's like, sometimes I feel like, man, these shows are really fast paced and I'm getting old. I don't know if I can keep up with it. And then other times it's just like, really, really, you're going to do that flashback again. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't remember this kind of stuff other than like the one flashback episode they had in Next Generation that was all like a, 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 a what do you call a it? Show. A, a clip show, yeah. I Which, mean, come on. They did that for very understandable reasons, which was they were out of money for that season. And it wasn't everyone on strike or some shit like that. There was. Oh, you, it might have been. Yeah, it might have been. Issues, a writer's, yeah. It might have been a writer's strike or an actor's strike thing, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe. You know that the writer's strike, uh, I think it was in 2008 or nine. Maybe it was a little, little later than that. You know that that uh, writer strike basically saved Breaking Bad. No, I didn't know that. So, like, real quick, um, you know how Breaking Bad season one just kind of ends, right? Yeah. So uh, Gilligan had never run a show before, and he was like really stressed out. And so instead of like writing the show, he just like threw himself into like the production details of the show, and so. Literally, he had no idea what they were going to do to end season one because he was just, you know, doing all of the stuff like working on casting, working on property, things like that. And he was literally thinking of doing something like having Hank figure out that Walt was cooking or having Jesse die. And because of the writer's strike, they stopped production. Oh, wow, man. And then that's why, like, if you remember how, like, I mean, I liked season two a lot, but if you remember how kind of like overplotted season two was, you know, but with the whole thing with the airplane, it was like really, really like mapped out very carefully. Right. Yeah. And that was in reaction to, he was like, oh my God, I nearly ruined my show because I didn't know how to end the first season. So in season two, they like, they planned out season two, like in immaculate detail. Like, I wish they would do that with some of these shows. Jesus. Like, I, I feel like they don't do that yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> That, that's getting ahead to another episode we're doing today, but that's one of the things I like about Tom King is he apparently writes comic miniseries like I would have to, which is to say he has a 12 or an 8-issue miniseries and he writes the whole damn thing. And then he like goes back and like makes changes early in it to make it fit where he winds up. No, that, I mean, that makes sense. That's starting at the 
or even starting at the end and working your way back sometimes really helps. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, if only Discovery and Picard uh, did that. Yeah, well, here we we have run into a very big plot hole, Bob. I will say this. I don't know if it's. I don't know if I would go so far as to say it's a plot hole. But <laughs> I I don't know. Couldn't couldn't Captain Riker, since he's reinstated, temporarily reinstate Seven? Yeah, you could totally reinstate Seven, and they were friends, Bob. So you know, yeah, that's, why that's already been established. Although I I could imagine that maybe they're saving that for Picard. You know, the the thinking is is oh they were too busy to do it. And now that, you know, he's fired Picard, now at the beginning of the next episode, he's going to make a production of bringing Seven back up. Yeah, Seven will be his number one. So did you catch uh, Lieutenant Tevin on the bridge, who I think she's the science officer? In the first two episodes, I, th- I thought she was Delton. I really didn't realize she was Vulcan until, uh, you know, she started talking about logic this episode. I did too, and it, I mean, it's just the bald head. That's what it boils yeah, down to. Yeah, yeah. And I think we didn't have very many close-up shots on her in the first two episodes, too. So no. I missed the point. And also, my eyes are bad, so I missed the point of ears. She's not supposed to be both, is she? Oh, that that would be interesting, especially because you could, in some ways, hardly think of like two more opposed species. Uh, you know, just like in terms of values than the Deltons and the Vulcans. That would be interesting. We got a show right there. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's what they're going for, but it would be cool if it were. Uh, I just googled it. She's Vulcan. Yeah, yeah. So, Matt, um, did you get uh, traumatic flashbacks like me when the Titan first goes through the Shrike portal weapon? I was just like, oh, my God, they're going into the mirror universe. Or, oh, no, they're going to have to go time travel and undo the whole. I was just like, oh, God, don't do that. I yelled at the TV, Bob. I, I usually don't yell at the TV, but when I saw the portal, I was like, don't go back in time. Don't do it. And then it comes back around. And I was like, okay, thank God. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a great relief. A great yeah. relief. It's like we've done enough time travel on this show. We've done enough alternate universe and time travel stuff on Discovery. We're good. I will say the portal weapon is cool, but it does seem like over elaborate for a glorified tractor beam, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, you ever play the game Portal? Uh, no, or but I've read sev- I've read several student papers about it. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> well, it's from. A- <laughs> Okay, that, that alone right there blows my mind because I would never have thought about writing about a video game in like any class I took in. But but, but you, well, you you taught at a video I, game school though, right? I teach at a video game uh, school, and so wow. I, I allow wow. my students to write about video games for some of the course. <laughs> I'm always a little disappointed when they do, but I don't take off points for yeah. it. <laughs> well, it's from Valve. It's the, the they're the Half Life people. The people like Half Life. Yeah. Everybody's Half Life. Anyway, well, the weapon in that game is a portable version of that's on the ship. Okay. So I, I get the idea. It's very simple. You know, it's like oh, you go in one thing, go out the other. It's not. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like from the papers. It sounded like a cool game. If I gave a shit about video games, I would. I might play it and enjoy it, but. I don't know, just like in the context of like starship battles, it seems a little over elaborate. Yeah, and I just don't understand like, I mean, the physics of it seems very strange because I don't get how, okay, you go in one end of space, you come out a separate end going the same way. I mean, like the way they were lining everything up to me seems like it would be very difficult with that weapon. Just think of it as a mini Bajoran wormhole, Matt. Yeah, there you go. Mini Bajoran wormhole. Although I feel like they had this exact same kind of portal weapon. There was a game called Star Trek Armada. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could 
I bought it, but I could never get it to work on my computer. Yeah, I think this was it. There was something like that in this. Oh, I don't interesting. know. Interesting. Some of the stuff they pull up, I'm like, I know I've seen this thing before somewhere. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. I mean, there's only so many ideas. Yeah, exactly. That's just why we're on Picard season three. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> and not, uh, you know, something new. Yeah, yeah, there, there is that. There is that. Matt, are you going to stride into work on Wednesday and proudly announce that Wednesdays are for beheadings, just like Worf? It's better than fucking hump day, which everybody says. Oof. Yeah, I, I, I would rather get beheaded than hear somebody talk about hump day. That's true. That's true. So did you immediately think the saboteur was a changeling, or did you just think that Vatic had some other sort of shapeshifter? I thought it was just some kind of shapeshifter or some kind of device. That was me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was pleasantly surprised when they did establish him as a changeling because that's you know, I love DS9. Yeah. Anything they bring from DS9, I'm happy about. When you had the other changeling that Worf and Musiker were interrogating, when he started to do that withdraw thing, I I was like, oh yeah, that is the Odo like thing, and I was like, oh, I guess it probably was a changeling on the ship too. But yeah, at first I just thought it was a shapeshifter. Did you think there was any chance at all that Jack was dead? Oh hell no. <laughs> they waited as long as they possibly could, though, before he could take that yeah, breath. I should have timed it. It was probably 17 seconds. Hell, yeah. No, I'm, I'm was... not. Oh, fuck. I'm not going back, though. I'm not gonna. Get oh time. no, don't do it. Life's too short, man. We're 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 old and we're dying. Don't go back. Um, I bet. It, I bet it was 17. I bet it was because it was it was way longer than it should have been. Felt felt more like 17 minutes to me. Well, I, I will say that I did. Of course, I didn't think Jack would die, but like you say, it was so stretched out that I was starting to second guess myself. That's one thing I will, I'll give them credit. They did kind of have me thinking, okay, maybe, but I, I, you knew it wasn't going to happen. They just introduced the character. I don't know. On the one hand, it would have been a lot of wasted time. But on the other hand, it would have been a cool, you know, break left when you expect to break right. And then Picard causing, basically causing the death of two Jacks is even like, you know, worse. <laughs> oh, think damn, about it. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> So the yeah. in, the end of uh, the end of Star Trek Picard is just Beverly stabbing Picard repeatedly. Your your, your ninety year old ass is not getting laid. So Matt, did a worst reference to Odo get you hyped? I, it did, but then man, sadly, I remembered that Renee is no longer with us, and that maybe that that was that was awful to me. That is really dark because I know but... there's no way he could like there's, there's no way he's going to show up on the show. Oh, what are you talking about, Matt? Star Trek Prodigy, man? It's no, I'm not. I, I don't even bring that up. Yeah, yeah, it's Ugh. depressing. R.I.P. to a great actor uh, who was a great actor long before he was on Star Trek. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love I love watching stuff and just seeing him randomly show up. I'm like, oh, yeah. look, there he is. It's yeah, he, he, he's in all kind of random Robert Altman movies. It's really nice oh. to see him. Or Boston Legal, of course. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So um, I do have to say, Matt, I really enjoyed the end of this episode. I knew Sean Riker had the right strategies. I was really glad to see Picard get humiliated. It kind of cracked me up. Yeah, the scene, you know, you were talking about how senile Picard is at this point. The scene where Picard flat out tells Riker what to do, it's like something along the lines of, Will, you need to turn the ship around and fight. <laughs> it reminded me of those like memes of Jesus telling people what to do and then them responding to him to fuck off. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, I, I don't, but I think I get the idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what went in my head. Picard is being a dick in this in this season. He's losing it. I mean, that's that's kind of been the vibe of all the seasons, right? Is like Picard is like angry and confused and borderline scene. I mean, that just it feels like every season to me. But he needs to be in a home at this point. I'm scared. But this scene though solidified 
the whole episode for me and made it. It's why the episode is so great, in my opinion. Yeah, him getting yeah. kicked off the bridge is like, damn. Although <laughs> it's it's really going to be kind of interesting, and I I I have my doubts about how they can kind of recover from this scene in like a kind of graceful way. Like it's a good scene, but it's just kind of like, well, where's the writing going to take you from here though? They're going to hug it out, Bob. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm always a fan of that. I'm always a fan the whole of that. cast is just going to get together. They're just going to hug yeah. it out. So, so Matt, I was a little bit owned by, you know, I was questioning the utility of the portal weapon, uh, you know, since basically it does what a tractor beam would do. And then I was a little owned because we see the utility of the portal weapon, like using the Titan A's weapons to mess the Titan A up. But I don't know, given how many other weapons the strike has, it still feels a little superfluous now. I mean, yeah, because the, they even go through like a whole list, I think at the beginning of the episode of everything on the ship. Yeah. And yeah. it's insane how many like things are like antimatter torpedo shit, like shit that you know it's not on, not on the Titan. But yeah, then they're going to kill it with its own, you know, weapons. So whatever. Okay. Sure, sure. Got it. Got to save your ammunition, I guess. Yeah. Um, it does seem like Crash LaForge is about to do another crash, which I believe would be her third. In the in the final scene, they're they're just falling through space, right? They're not falling toward anything, are they? No, I. So a lot of times, nebulas have. I think uh, I'm not an astronomer, but I believe a lot of times nebulas have stars or other masses inside them that have a gravitational pull. That's what helps keep them together. They're being pulled toward yeah. the gravity well. Okay, gotcha. Of the nebula was my was my understanding. I could be wrong, uh, but that was my understanding. All right, guys, what's going to happen is we're going to have the nexus in this nebula. Oh, God, no. It's going to be awesome. No. Oh, Christ. Oh, Christ. Well, we got to get yeah. we gotta get Whoopi Goldberg's character in there, Bob. Oh, Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm going to remain pessimistic, but I do have to say that one-third of the way through, season three, better than either season one or season two. Yeah, this was a great episode, and... uh I don't know if we realize this, but they include Easter eggs in the credits for the next episode. I know they're doing it. I just don't care enough to study it. Oh, I love that kind of shit. You know, I do. Well, yeah, anyway, yeah. there is a panel that displays like the fleet museum that where I'm going to assume LaForge works at. Okay. There's three ships on display, Bob. Ooh. Voyager, the Enterprise Ooh. A, and the Excelsior. Oh, wow. Big time, big time. Yeah, I'm like, damn, that's going to be awesome if they can do something cool there. My only complaint, Matt, where's the Cerritos? <laughs> this could be how they get the live-action people into the show. <laughs> oh, God, please don't do that. Don't. All right, shall we transition to a quick discussion of Co Copenhagen Cowboy Episode 2? Yes, Bob, Copenhagen Cowboy, the only way I could get you to review Season 3 with me. All right, here we go. Yeah. It's Matt. It, hey, man, it's that Nicholas Windegreff and Magic. Walk us through that A-plot, Matt. Mew returns to sex trafficking manner in search of the dead Simona, but manages to sow dissension between Rosalie and her pigman husband and between Andre and his daughter Flora before using scissors to make a second escape. And then in the B-plot, Roselle sells Mew to Andre on unfavorable terms, and his ad for Mew attracts the attention of the other Danish pigman, Nikolas, the one who killed Simona. 
so we have these kind of opening parallel scenes and we've got like a blood pink lit scene where Andre is using an ax to intimidate his sex workers about them missing Simona and Mew, or sorry, and then in the other scene, it's Mew waiting outside a very blue-lit diner for Simona, and she sees Flora dating one of her father's henchmen. So it's kind of neat intercutting back and forth between those. And I have to say that Andre, when he threatens one girl with the ax where he grabs her hand, I couldn't tell that he had the ax facing the wrong way. He did, I, yeah. I literally think he was going to just bruise the shit of her hand, which is probably almost as bad as having it cut off. Yeah, like I, I, I think that was the thought. It yeah, freaked yeah. me out. And then the whole image of you waiting alone outside that diner was just freaky because they just had her standing there with her hands in her pockets, just staring into space. Very kind of like ghost-like and impassive is, is our view. Yeah. Yes, which is kind of the theme of this episode. So were you surprised that she returned to sex trafficking manner? I'm really not because she seems very in control of everything going on and she's not afraid. She doesn't really show fear. Yeah, yeah. We didn't see her do very much in episode one other other than like encourage Simona to run. But like here we see her kind of like taking very subtle small steps to like defend herself with the manipulation. So yeah, we, we do get the sense like, cause in episode one, you're almost kind of wondering like, does she even really know what's going on? And it feels like by this episode, you're like, no, Mew knows what's up. Right. So uh, we back at Sex Trafficking Manor, we meet Mahala, who's a friend and supernatural uh, consultant for Roselle. And she really doesn't like the demonic vibe of Mew. And uh, she just weirdly has mannerisms that remind me of an old friend of mine. Oh, so you have a, a con artist as a friend, Bob? Uh, I mean, Matt, all my friends are con artists. Well, I better call the amazing Randy. But he rest in peace. I love that guy. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, your boy, your boy. Uh, just so you know, Matt, it's spelled with an I, not with. A I know, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, James Randy, great guy, great guy. Uh, so I gotta kind of ask a question about what kind of anti-demon sunglasses do they have on there? I think it's not in the sunglasses. I think just, and we saw this a little when. Roselle was creeping on you last episode. I think the idea is just that you need to have your eyes covered around the demon. It does. I don't think it's the sunglasses in oh, particular okay. or special. That, yeah. that maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but the and the whole blood on the panties thing was extremely gross. The way they were like shoving their nose into it. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it was it was a yeah the callback to the miscarriage from last episode. Yeah. But yeah, what, what rough, a freak stuff. Yeah, yeah rough stuff. <laughs> so Matt, have you ever had a bird fly into your home? Uh, many times, and yes, Bob, they were blackbirds. And, you know, that's why it's great to have cats, because they kill them. I don't think it's you a know, sign of death. <laughs> I, I think that's even, like, the blackbird flying into your home is bad enough. Then having your cat murder the symbol of death? Man, that's like a double symbol of death. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, the cats help with that. If, if you ever have one come in your house, just, just throw a cat in there. They'll, they'll kill it within a couple hours. Hey, my cat's pretty good with bugs, but I don't know if I could count on her for a bird. I need to I need to show you a video of my cat like attacking a a, a bird on her porch. It's it's hilarious because it's a screened in porch. So if the bird comes into the screened in porch, it gets caught. Oh, oh, <laughs> and then, and then the cat the cat's like you know it's 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 a uh, it toys with it. I, have I told you about the time that? The cat was looking out the front door because, like, during the spring and summer, like, I keep the door, the main door open and just have the screen door open. And the cat was just sitting on my desk staring at something out the screen door. And I was like, oh, what you looking at, honey? And then it was just two squirrels fucking. And so <laughs> I just stood here for, like, two minutes watching two squirrels fuck on my porch. Wow. It was a special moment we had. Yeah. I have to tell you about the time I woke up at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning to my cat 
uh, in the living room with a coiled up snake just batting Ooh. at it, batting nice. at it as it like spun around because it couldn't get away. <laughs> like, nice. Man, you got you got a killer, Matt. Is it an indoor outdoor? Well, it, it's a cat that like uh, was abandoned as a kitten. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I think it, most of like it's uh, like the the whole weaning thing didn't happen. So yeah, it's pretty it's yeah. pretty it's pretty badass cat, but it hates me nice. though. Even though I'm the one that rescued it from living outside forever, and you know I fed it for 13 years at this point. Oh yeah, well I mean I mean Matt, I you edit the podcast for me. I still hate you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I guess it's just my as my wife says, Bob. It's just my personality. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, speaking of creepy things, Andre giving orders about uh, Simona and negotiating over Mew from underneath his creepy fur blanket while he's presumably naked. Just really, really creepy. Yeah, the man has to sleep, and I guess he does his like business from bed. I, I don't know. It, it was it was very creepy. So, Matt, were you happy that the pig got flogged this episode? I was very happy, but I wish she just would have shot him. I can't, I hate this guy. Him sticking his yep. tongue out like while he's aiming the gun at Mew was this ugh. He just needs to yep. be shot in the face. Very gross. Very gross. And then uh, the next scene after that, Bob, of them staging the video for of Mew, like uh, like presenting her to people that are going to be at this auction or whatever. Mm-hmm. It really like I, I hate that shit because I know that's what the sex trade actually does, you know. And it's like the beginning of a lot of porn videos, mm-hmm. preferably a lot of the ones from the '90s and the early aughts. Just gross you know like now that i think yeah. back i'm like that was probably the same situation for some of those people some of those women and yeah pretty sick stuff pretty it's sick very stuff. sick yeah yeah uh but you know when andre goes and starts slapping his, 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 the prostitutes do you remember when like the boondocks tried to make the pimp slap funny and it was funny i, mean, I don't think it tried yeah i think it succeeded yeah, it was hilarious uh this does not have the same feel bob yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Nicholas Windegreffen is uh, taken taken back the uh, pimp slap for creepiness. Yeah, it, it it was awful. You never you never watched The Deuce, did you? I did. Yeah, I watched oh, the did, first okay. season. Yeah, that's the one okay, with Maggie yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Franco. Yeah, it's a it's a kind of interesting like portrayal of like pimping. That's a like I would say like maybe halfway between the Boondocks and uh, uh, Copenhagen Cowboy. Yeah, there's some pretty serious shit in there, but it's also kind of funny. Like, season two and season three are not, like, amazing or anything, but they're good. They're worth watching. Like, Noah and I finished it up last year, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I do have to say that um, Gangster Queen is a very good nickname for Flora. I I enjoyed that. Also, I was kind of thinking, like, is Mew silently hanging out at Mother Holda's Chinese restaurant? Uh, was that, like, a kind of surprising turn for you? I mean, not really. I feel like she was probably called there. Uh, I think there's some kind. I think there's something going on there. Like after yeah. this episode, I don't know what kind of powers this she has. Yeah, it but, seems like she doesn't just have like her luck powers, but she also has some sort of like precognition. Maybe there's a lot of shit going on with her, and then you know, yeah. the, fact, the way she can resurrect that newborn. It just yeah. So we see Mother hold a, a deliver what a, at first appears to be a stillborn baby. And Matt, did you assume that Mother Holda was going to feed that baby to the pigs? Probably. Yeah, yeah, very intense scene. <laughs> but yeah, then we have Mew uh, do her uh, do her Christ powers and resurrect the stillborn baby. So in just and, this episode, Bob Mew is re- mm-hmm. referred to as a demon, a mm-hmm. spirit, and then yep. at, at the end she says she was kidnapped by aliens. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because demon is um, 
Rizelle and her friend's explanation. Spirit is Mother Holda's explanation, and Aliens is Mew's explanation, right? Right. I feel like I need to remember that. It wouldn't be a bad thing to remember, but it, this is not a this is not necessarily the type of show where you need to remember things. Yeah, yeah. So we do get Mew returning to the sex trafficking manor uh, for the second and final time. Uh, were you were you surprised that she burnt Rizelle alive? Not really, uh, but the the image of Roselle like screaming that was superimposed over the burning manor, that was some Twin Peaks Bob shit right there. Yeah, yeah, that was that, that was, was awesome. Intense. And that kind of like breaking of like cinematic realism that yes. Lynch and Refn sometimes do. Yeah, that that's was exactly what shit. it was. It was awesome. So, are you surprised to learn that that's pretty much the end of like the Andre Flora trafficked women side of this miniseries? Unless I'm being very dumb and have forgotten something. I mean, I guess I, I, I really don't know where the show's going, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's going where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, uh, to, as is traditional, uh, what Picard character should be on Copenhagen cowboy and vice versa? All right, Bob, I'd switch Riker and Andre Andre's whole, like out of the box solution for his daughter and the henchman's uh, shotgun wedding that may prove useful on the bridge of a starship. And I'd also like to see how Riker would run a brothel. So. Yeah, I mean it's kind of creepy because like I'm kind of opposed to I'm kind of opposed to sex work, but on the other hand, like uh, Riker is a very funny guy, and you could get into some interesting things there. <laughs> For me, I think I would uh, switch Picard and Mew. Uh, Mew's decisive vengeance against Rizel uh, worked a lot better than Picard's plan, and I kind of like the image of a confused Picard being the old drunk at Mother Holda's Chinese restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good role for him. <laughs> it would, it would. So Matt, who is your character of the week from both shows? I got to go with Shaw. Just uh, just that whole scene where he gives the bridge over to Riker. That that yeah, just a good character. Love love a man who writes messages in the blood that's dripping out of his mouth. Yeah. Not that he actually did that. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that that's what the camera did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'll give it to Andre, man. I mean, he's a real, real creepy piece of shit, but he's a magnetic one. Uh, I'll I'll miss his presence. Yeah, he's a charisma vacuum. Uh, that, that wouldn't be the right word. Charisma, not vacuum. Charisma uh, magnet. Magnet. There we go. He's source, a charisma. Yeah. He's a He's a, he's the source of all charisma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be a pimp, you have to have that kind of thing, Bob. Yeah, that was something uh, a f- ex girlfriend of mine told me once that made a lot of sense. Was like she volunteered at a a domestic violence shelter. And so she would have to kind of be the person at the desk being telling the abusive husband, like, no, no, you can't see this person. And she's like, yeah, you'd, uh, she's like, at first you're really surprised by how charming a lot of wife beaters are. And then you realize, well, I guess you have to be. Yeah. Extremely sad. All right, Bob, episode of the week. I'm giving it to 17 seconds, Bob. All right. I mean, I, I can see that. I'm still going to give it to Copenhagen Cowboy. Vengeance is my name, but uh, I, I could see giving it to 17 seconds. All right. All right. Well, this has been uh, Star Trek Picard versus Copenhagen Cowboy. Uh, join us next week for Star Trek Picard Episode 4, and then join us the two weeks for Picard Episode 5 and Copenhagen Cowboy Episode 3. I am Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.